Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Sarah Gregg. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I was saying at the start, it's so lovely to be interviewed by someone else from Northern Ireland. It's a rarity for me, so I feel already safe and comfortable with the accent. It's very well, there nice. You go. The, the center of the universe, apparently. So uh, yes. Yeah. We're, we're talking from the headquarters here in uh, little old Northern Ireland. So Sarah, tell us yeah. who are you? What do you do and where are you from? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a big one to start off with. Um, so my name is Sarah Gregg. I'm a psychologist, uh, published author, and I'm the founder of The Power to Reinvent. And The Power to Reinvent is really kind of based on reinventing the rules of happiness and success, not ourselves. And I guess I founded it and it will give you an insight into my story because I believe kind of three things to be true. You know, one is that life can look good on paper and we can follow the rules and done, you know, everything that was expected to us, but yet feel that something is off, feel discontent that we're just not on the right track. And two, I believe a growing number of people secretly feel that way. And they suffer under this feeling of who they should be rather than following who they really are. And three, I really believe that we should reinvent the rules of happiness and success, not ourselves. I believe that we're whole, we're worthy, and we have everything that we need to live the life that we want. We're not broken in any way. Just sometimes the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle get a little bit rearranged in the wrong pieces. And our job is to gently put them back together so we can become become who we really are and fulfill our unique purpose oh unique purpose i like that mm. i'm gonna start off with an easy question then what is happiness what is happiness oh that's actually not an easy question <laughs> i think happiness is a very elusive state um i think we assume that happiness is this bright joyous destination that you know if we do everything right then we'll get there and we can relax and slow down and be happy and life will be fine but happiness exists in shades, you know, and I think even in our darkest times, there can be happiness as well. You know, it might be more like a, a, a little flicker of a candle rather than that bright light. But I think happiness is something that's always within us. And it's that feeling of um, contentness and can be the, the feeling of joy. But it's, um, it's, it's always there, you know, even in, even in the dark times when you struggle to see it. I think there's always kind of been being happiness with me is it a perception or is it a fact happiness mm. Mm, a perception or a fact i guess that depends on the definition of age i think happiness is is down to the filter that you apply in the world and is down to the rules that you follow and the belief system that you have um, and i think sometimes for a lot of people you know, myself included, the biggest challenge is more opening ourselves up to happiness and allowing ourselves to feel it. 
and allowing ourselves to notice it in the small moments. You know, the, often it's in the, the ordinary moments are the most extraordinary in our lives. So I think it's a fact that happiness is all, you know, is always there. Um, but I think it's more deeply a perception and a perspective. You know, it's what we've been taught about happiness, you know, whether or not we feel worthy to receive that happiness. And I think that's what leads to the endless pursuit of happiness, you know, is not necessarily for the feeling, but for for that sense of I'm worthy enough to receive that. And that's why we work hard and we push ourselves and we justify the sacrifices because we believe, well, once I do that, then I will be happy. But I think what we're really saying is once I do that and once I achieve X, then I will be enough. That's a tough one, isn't it? Being enough. Enough is yeah. a very <laughs> is a very broad, a broad thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think happiness and self-worth are so intrinsically tied to one another. And I think that's where we've got things a little bit muddled up in the rules that we live by. You know, so I think if I look back at my own journey, it was, you know, happiness was uh, the blueprint was you you go to school, you know, you leave school and you do some form of education and training. You get a job you get a better job, you get a house, you get a bigger house and, and then you'll be happy and that's kind of enough and that's the rules you should follow. But happiness, we're taught then, is always something that's outside of us. You know, it's something that we accumulate. It's something that we earn. You know, it's a reward for us, you know, working hard and doing more. But it, it always comes from within. And I think the ability to slow down and see that you have everything that you need you know, right now, it's not from a place of lack, you know, you have everything and it's what can you create from that everything rather than how do you keep on pushing yourself, you know, to be good enough, to be worthy enough. When I have that job, that will be a sign to everyone that I've got life figured out and I must be doing everything right. When actually the the reverse is true, you know, you, you have it all now. It's what do you create with that? Mm. Well, yeah, it's, there's a lot there, isn't there? There's, I mean, even worth versus value, there's, yeah, there's a lot of deciding. But Thomas, before we get really into it, I mean, what does fire in the belly mean to you, first of all? Fire in the belly means to me your purpose calling you forward. I think when you feel that fire in your belly, it is your inner essence, you know, whether you want to call it your, your soul, your spirit, your, your, like the Greeks kind of like called it like your daemon. I think it is that part of you that, that speaks in unequivocal terms as to what you need to do in that moment and what you need to realize. And it's, it's, it's that fire in the belly where the invisible purpose becomes visible. Well, that's, is that moment of enlightenment? Is that what is that? That's 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 huge, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we carry so many of us are in search for a purpose. You know, what is it that I'm here to do? You know, what I'm what is it that I'm here to realize? But that fire in the belly is in those moments when it becomes visible, when it's that unequivocal thing of this is what I have to do. You know, it's it's seeking to be realized and and to be put out in the world and we see and are in awe of those people that have the the fire in the belly and what it causes them to move forward, whether it's, you know, uh, creating change on a political level, you know, whether it's creating change within their community, whether it's, you know, um, 
a piece of art, you know, a sports star kind of coming forward. It it shows itself in in very different and unique ways. And it's our job, and it's a hard job, but it is our job to try and listen and tap into that more than what we do. I think we overly rely on what we should do, and we discount that that feeling. You know, like the fire is a feeling but we think too much with our heads and don't necessarily feel fully with our, with that gut instinct and that heart. Do you have, do you have fire in your belly? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't always. I don't think. What was the turning point? Yeah. The turning point came in 2016 for me. And I think it's really kind of founded um, a lot of my work since then. So yeah, in 2016, I think I I very much was that person whose, you know, life looked good on paper. Um, I had was working for a university um, in the UK as a business coach. Um, I did consulting work for the European Commission on Entrepreneurial Mindset. You know, I had a nice house, I had a car, you know, I went on holidays and by all intents and purposes, you know, I had created a life that that really looked good, but was deeply unfulfilling to me. And I felt like something was off. I felt frustrated. I felt like I wasn't on the right track, but I felt ashamed to say those words to people because it felt selfish. You know, it felt like, you know, I should be grateful and I should be happy, but I'm not. And I felt like I was broken. So I would, you know, practice gratitude in the morning to try and teach myself how to be happy with life you know um went to a lot of different motivational seminars and tried to you know fix myself but all I really needed to do was to listen to that fire in the belly was to listen to that calling and and that calling was saying you're not in the right place and actually all the things that you have accumulated and collected if they don't make you happy then what are what are they actually worth you know, what are they actually worth? Like, sure, it looks nice, but it's it's worthless, essentially. So in at the end of 2016, myself and my husband had a big conversation about life. And, you know, what, what, what exactly are we doing? Like, this is not making us happy. And we sold our house. We sold our car. We sold everything, literally everything, plates, pans, the, the lot, and we took our backpacks and we left. We just got on a plane. I had no plan. I had no clue. The fire in the belly was there, but I certainly, you know, I didn't have the translation skills to understand what it was trying to tell me. <laughs> it's just like, I just know I've got to go. Um, and then that started our journey. We, we went to Thailand and Bali. We taught ourselves web development skills. We talked about how we wanted to work and travel and and do something you know online um I have a background in um psychology NLP coaching but I didn't want to do that because at that stage I felt I felt too broken to work with anybody and I felt that ethically that wasn't the right thing for me to do but then as time kind of passed um I tried different things I tried travel blogging tried selling stuff on Amazon tried loads of different things and I loved it and life became more of an adventure and then what put the fire in the belly for me and where I really knew what I had to do was in an unexpected event in a way I went to this um personal development seminar in Thailand that was held by this lady and um 
it was a room full of women, you know, vulnerable women who were going through life changes, you know, a bit like myself, you know, a bit lost, didn't really know what I should be doing with life. And she handed out fridge magnets, you know, like the little alphabet fridge magnets. It would be, you know, you had as a kid probably back in the 80s and you would spell words out with them. She handed those out and she said, all you need to do is just move the fridge magnet across your head and it will take the magnetic energy and then you'll be cured. And if you want, you know, more curing, you know, then it's X amount. And I remember going home and just being so outraged that, that someone would take advantage of people in that way and and um so sad for those people that would just pay any amount of money to feel better and that it was you know it wasn't in a in a in my opinion wasn't in like a proven kind of scientific practice in the way that I've been taught um and I just thought well if I don't step up and I don't follow you know my calling then I leave a place in the world for maybe someone that doesn't have the right intentions to take it um, and so I started um, an Instagram account called the power to reinvent um, bought the domain really thought not much of it just started to post my own thoughts um, and then it's like the quote in the alchemist um, you know when you're on the right track the whole universe conspires to help you and that's what happened things just started to fall into place um, I got some clients to work with online and um, I made some connections. I ran some workshops in Thailand um, and then seven months in, I wrote a post about the psychology of flow. And um, one of my followers was an editor for a big publishing house in New York. And she sent me an email and said, I love this, this post. I think it's a book. Would you pitch for a book deal? and write a proposal which I did and so yeah I've had Find Your Flow was released in 2020 and She's Happy is out this year so I'm the proud author of, of of two books and that was really a childhood dream and and yeah and it's all come from the illogical pull you know what I've done does not make sense and the things that have happened to me do not make sense you know in the logical format um but I think that's what comes when you listen to that fire in your belly and you you stay you stay true to your course the more you align to it the more circumstances align with you oh wow I mean that's that's, that's phenomenal um achievements I suppose is maybe the right word you know considering just taking that time to and you know a relatively short period of time right from 2016 yeah. to now you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a short. It's very yeah. short. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. I mean, how, how do you feel now having done that and even just talking about it out, out loud? Um, it feels like a movie, like a dream. Um, but yeah, it feels exactly what I was meant to do. And there were times on that journey, in fact, right before I got the book deal, where I really contemplated giving up. We were in um, we were in Portugal at that stage. I was really working hard to, to try and, and write and put stuff out there. And I wanted to write. I loved writing. And um, some things just weren't working. And I, I really contemplated, you know, should I just go back and just slip back into the nine to five and just go back into the comfort zone? Like this is, I'm not really sure 
that this is going to pay off in the way that I would like it to. Um, but another part of me just told me to keep going and, and, and believe. Um, and again, it's that illogical pull because there was nothing happening that made sense. But I think what this journey has taught me is a deeper level of trust within myself. Um, and I think when you have that, almost magical things happen. You know, my background's in science. I love psychology. I love anything that can be explained, you know, but yet so much of my journey have have been events that, you know, that really can't be explained. You know, I thought that to get a book deal, you would have to have written things before or have a huge following or, and that that was the rules. And in fact, the opposite was true. You know, I had a blog, but I probably had about, you know, a couple of hundred readers. Like it wasn't massive. You know, I had an Instagram following, but it was a few thousand. It wasn't, it wasn't anything, you know, ginormous. But yet I think if you put yourself out there, if you stand by your work, then people can find you and opportunities can align with you to move you forward. Just take me, I mean, talk to me about flow, first of all. I, mean, I find it a fascinating area. Yeah. I mean, what does flow mean to you and, and what's it all about? Yeah. So this is, I fell in love with the concept of flow really after I left um, my job because I became really aware that the rules that I had been following were really a direct reflection of the results that I got in life. You know, I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy when I get that. And then it was like, well, of course, if I follow that rule, that I'm not going to feel happy because happiness is always on the other side. And equally it was, you know, happiness and success. We don't really correlate those in our everyday lives as two things that you can experience at once. But the psychology of flow shows that happiness and success go side by side and that actually they are they are experienced, you know, at the same time. So flow is when we feel our best and perform our best. It's described by psychologists as the optimal state of consciousness. Um, and it's where our actions and awareness merge. You know, the sense of self disappears, time distorts, you're just totally engrossed in the moment. You know, probably these podcasts feel like flow for you where time just passes and you're like, how did we talk for two hours? It felt like, you know, 20 minutes. You might feel it when you play sports. For some people, it's when they're problem solving. But flow for me is is that fire in the belly in a different way. It's where your invisible purpose becomes visible in those moments. It's where you're not thinking about anything and you're just fully yourself. So flow for me is really a scientific way to become more of who you are by tuning into those moments of flow. But more than that, um, synchronicities increase in flow. So we know kind of through quantum you know, physics that um, when we're in flow, people and opportunities align, you know, at the right time, which is exactly how my book on flow came about. You know, I post a post on flow, an editor reads it, you know, she loves it. I pitch the idea and the book kind of comes into the world and it's proven in science that, that that's what happens when we're in flow. So yeah, it's, um, I love it. I love that it has a formula. I love that it's something that I can follow, but I also love that as much of it as it has that scientific side, there is this kind of magical, almost spiritual side to it as well. 
That's curious because I mean, you, you talked about that and structure and the formula and the, the scientific background versus the, and you use the word spiritual there, you know, mm. it's like that, that comes, sometimes is a bit of an awkward fit or, or is it? I don't think it is. I think really science just makes sense out of a lot of spiritual, you know, teachings and experiences. It's just, it's a, it's a way to measure it. You know, if we look at how flow was discovered, as an example, it was um, discovered in the 1970s by a Hungarian psychologist called Milhai Csikszentmihalyi. And I use the term discovered very loosely. You know, he was in an artist studio. So if you imagine this kind of like room full of artists and they're creating masterpieces and they're painting and they're totally absor- absorbed in the moment and in their craft, so much so that when a piece of the ceiling falls down, you know, the artists don't even flinch. They're just not, they don't move. They don't notice it. They're just totally engrossed in their work. And when he interviewed those artists, he wanted to understand what state of consciousness are these artists accessing them that enables them to create these unique masterpieces that are, you know, representations of of who they are and that they're so engrossed that they don't even hear the outside world. And when, when he interviewed them, every single one of the artists used the word flow. And he's continued that work. He's interviewed, you know, top sports stars, you know, CEOs of companies, and they'll all say the same thing, you know, when they are fulfilling their purpose, when they're doing something that they love, you know, that their unique skill set is somehow born for, they feel in the zone, they, they lose track of time, and they feel like they're, they're they just feel in flow. Um, and so I think if we look at that as an example, science can then understand more about it, but it didn't create it. So we're only ever studying the things that have naturally occurred, you know, in the world that are almost kind of spiritual experiences. You know, the word flow is used in, you know, texts as far back as like the, the Tao Te Ching, you know, it's, it, it extends far beyond, but science is just a way of studying things that we don't know about. Oh, so it is fascinating, isn't it? I mean, all the, you know, and sometimes because sometimes there can be people feel there's a conflict between the two, or there's a there's a friction. Let's yeah. say it's not not necessarily a conflict, but you know, one is explicable and one is potentially inexplicable. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's hard to have a a yeah a, a safe and a, and a warm touch point. Let's say, but when the two meet, you know, and uh, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's just human beings. Like we like to think in opposites. You know, it's either it's black or it's white. It's happy or it's sad. You know, um, but actually, the joy of life comes looking at the in between, the something else, and and how kind of two different, seemingly opposites constructs can actually merge together. It is fascinating. It really is fascinating, you know, and, and, and the two. Thomas, why psychology? How did that all start? Yeah. You know, it's something I, yeah, I, I have been obsessed with human behavior for as long as I can remember, like from a child. Um, I remember like watching the Spice Girls interview on, Graham, on a Graham Norton show way back when, when they released Wannabe. And I remember one of them saying that they would write their goals down, you know, on a bit of paper and then they would hide it in a photo frame and then they would come back to look at it. And I think it was only about nine or ten. I was a very serious child. And I remember like writing, I started to do, you know, I would write it down, hide that little bit of paper and then in, in the new year, come back and look at it. And what always amazed me was that even though I couldn't remember what I had written on that bit of paper, 
most of it had happened and I had somehow followed that track. And so I was always curious about how does that work and how do we as human beings work and how do we understand ourselves on a deeper level? I think coupled with the fact that, you know, my parents were wonderful people, um, but, you know, it was a slightly dysfunctional household that psychology was the way to help me make sense of how I could make happier choices that could lead to a different path. Um, and so, yeah, that that just became like my my love affair with it. And it's it's never ended. Yeah, I can remember even in careers class, you know, them saying, I think, you know, start of the A-levels kind of as it were back then and ask them, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to study psychology. And it was just, you know, I just I just knew. And I feel very fortunate for that. I know that doesn't come, you know, naturally to people, you know, when sometimes it takes a long journey to get there. But it's always just been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Never read fiction books, always was kind of reading you know, more science or self-help books from a very young age. Yeah. Does that come in the family? I mean, is there, have you any psychologists in the family or? My mom did psychology. Yeah. But she went on to be a teacher. Um, but no, no one else. No, I'm the only one. Yeah. So, you know, Sarah, when she wanted to be up, grow up, what, what did you ultimately see that psychology becoming? What, what, what does it involve into you know what is really interesting is two things. So for and how these two paths have merged. So when I was 10 years old, I remember um, it was just kind of like after 11 plus kind of time. And there was a competition in the class and it was right about what you want to be when you're older. And I wrote down that I wanted to be an author. And I remember it so clearly. I wanted to write and I, I wrote in it and I, there's not, I remember it so vividly. I wrote in it that I wanted to use my words as a key to set people's minds free. And I drew this picture at the top of the page and it was of a brain in a, in a, in a prison and a key. And that was kind of my whole thing. And I remember feeling like I had spilled out the contents of my soul on that page. It was probably one of the first times that I hadn't really filtered myself or given the right answer in class. I was like very much the good girl and I didn't win. And the people that won were teachers and wanted to be a nurse and somebody else wanted to be an accountant. And I remember thinking, oh, that's so silly that I wrote that and that I didn't want to, to do that. And then kind of psychology came into the mix. But what's actually happened is a blend of the two, is a blend of this childhood dream to use my words to, you know, set people's minds free, coupled with a love of kind of psychology. And I think that's why when we're looking back at purpose, and if you're struggling that, you know, one of the key questions that, you know, we're, we often use and we'll, we'll ask is, you know, what did you like to do as a child? Or what did you love to do as a child? Because when you're a child, you're not filtering yourself, you know, you're not being anything other than than who you are. And um, so it's always kind of fascinating that it's making that decision back in, you know, 2016 to make the merge has sort of brought that childhood dream, you know, more into reality that somehow, and this is the more spiritual aspect, somehow that was the purpose that needed to be realized. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, out of curiosity, where, where do you sit now in terms of religion, spirituality? Yeah, I definitely view my, I don't know is, is the honest answer. I think it's a, it's an exploration. Um, the science side feels really comfortable and I can make sense out of it and I like it. Um, the spirituality side feels scary because I don't understand it. And it's opening yourself up to a new experience. And it's a hard part of me to blend like one into the other. So I don't know is the answer. I, 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 I don't know. I'm open to everything and I'm curious about it. Um, and I think my temptation is to study it and then try and break it down into a formula so that I, I can understand and apply it. So part of me has to resist that and just accept that a magical part of life is things that don't make sense or things that appear not to make sense, but then somehow all click and fall into place. It's almost kind of magical. So, yeah, I I just go with it. Like I, I meditate Um don't really do the whole manifestation thing because I don't not a huge not that I don't believe in it but yeah I maybe have a different different view on it um but try to keep myself as open as possible and I think it's whatever works for you right most yourself not manifestation not well not from a science point of view okay Explain. yeah so from a scientific point of view um when you write things down you are training your attention on what to focus on so it goes into your subconscious and the brain is a goal-seeking we are goal-seeking uh, animals by nature and so when you write down a goal something that hasn't happened because your brain doesn't understand the difference between imagination and reality it will seek to to close that gap so it will it will look for opportunities because you have told your mind that that is important um, and so it, it statistically will be more likely to happen but we call it manifestation and the reason that I don't like that is that I think sometimes then it it deflects the power um, away from how how incredible we are as human beings and it puts it in the hands of a universe and tells us, well, we have to think positive thoughts and we've got to be great people. And we have to have our vibrations high. And if we don't, then we're attracting in the wrong thing. And I actually think it's not that, you know, I think negative experiences and negative thoughts are equally as important in our human experience. You know, they can jolt you into action. They can, um, most kind of people's turning points, I'm sure you've seen in the interviews, have probably been from very, very low moments. You know, they are a beautiful part of our experience. And I think sometimes the rhetoric of the law of attraction and manifestation can pull us more into this thing that we've got to be perfect and we've got to think positive thoughts. And if something negative comes into our lives, it's because we're not good enough. I believe that we're whole and worthy and that every part of us, every emotion is just part of our human experience and trying to understand why that negative emotion is showing up, trying to sit with fear, trying to have a conversation with those different parts enables you to be wholly who you are as opposed to exiling those parts and orphaning those, those parts of you that you don't like or you don't want. I think our job is to befriend them because when your darkness steps to one side, 
it's always protecting light. It's always the guard dog to your light. So if you if you're frightened of something, the temptation is I hate that I'm fearful of that. You know, I I hate that part of me that doesn't allow me to move forward. But if you have a conversation with that part of you and you ask fear, what is its positive intention? What is it keeping you safe from? It's normally just because it doesn't want you to get hurt. You know, it's worried for you and it's trying to protect you. So I think often the negative emotions come from a place of love and we need them. You know, they're, they're not anything to be frightened of, although they can be very scary. You know, I think it's our ability to sit with them um, and see that they're part of us and not to exile any part of us that enables us to have the wholeness of a human experience. It's interesting there, isn't it? That is, it's almost like reclamation work, if you like. Mm-hmm. The part of you that you've shunned, because I mean, I always, uh, I'm always fascinated by the, you know, the expression, you, you can never experience anything outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. which I find fascinating, mm-hmm. which means then an event is and how you choose to receive that event is your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Perception is reality. And mm. we construct the meanings and the stories of our lives. Um, and it is how you perceive it, you know, and it's, that's, it can be difficult because some people, uh, you know, may have been taught better tools to to cope and perceive and to weave that story in and other people you know haven't been taught from that you know we come from kind of like a long line of flawed masters you know emotions certainly in in our wee country that we're in now you know got they just weren't spoken about you know it was just you, you get on with it and you keep it to yourself and you don't tell and you don't speak and you're not vulnerable um, and then that so that makes it harder and it's just natural to turn away but um I'm grateful for that low point in 2016 if I if I hadn't have sat with it and and listened to it and taken those risks and those chances then it wouldn't have given the very rocky, you know, it was an unstable foundation to kind of build your dreams. But sometimes kind of you've got to tear stuff down in order to rebuild. Just separate it from me, if you would. Manifestation Mm. versus self-empowerment. In what sense? What's, well, what do I think the difference? Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, just because you, you know, we talked a bit about the you know, manifestation and your sort of, your, your friction with it slightly, you know, in, mm. in terms of that. So I'm, and I'm curious about, you know, and, and I, I, I get and, that, you know, you're talking about your oneness and coming together. So yeah. it's, it's sitting with your pain, sitting with your fears, oneness within you, mm-hmm. and then unleashing your power. Well, um then I'm kind of going well what's is that not a form of manifestation where you set a goal and then we are goal-seeking beings that's what I mean I think manifestation is is a placebo effect I think it's something that you can that that gives you permission to do it you know it's 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 the same thing but it's not that the universe is rewarding you know it is but it requires action but I think manifestation is a way for people to not see the empowerment within themselves, but to say, oh, well, if I do these things, you know, then the universe will reward me. And and I believe in this. So that gives me permission to step forward and be myself. I think it's a placebo effect. Um, And it's just what 
you know, and that's great and it does work. You know, I've seen it work for people, but do you have to, I think there's also a huge pressure that comes with some of the manifestation message, which is, you know, you can't think a bad thought and you can't be a bad person. And, you know, you can't, you know, if you do that, you've attracted in the bad stuff, you know, you know, maybe, but that's a lot of pressure, you know, to put on yourself versus the empowerment, which is I have everything that I need to step forward. And, and if I step forward and if I align my choices with the anticipated events that I want to experience, then I will increase my chances of that. They're two separate things, but they are the same in, in a lot of ways. I just think for me, sometimes manifestation um, maybe takes away from the magic that it is you that is creating it you know, and that you are part of the universe, you and the universe are one in the same, you know, we're all connected. So it is you that has enabled that to happen. And that's incredible, because you're a magical, unique human being, no one has ever existed like you, there's been 107 billion people on this planet, not one single one like you. And I think if we can get back to that level of empowerment, for me, that feels, um, like the message that many of us need rather than we're broken. But the way to fix it is to think positive thoughts, write down positive things, take that action and the universe will reward you. No, it's, it's super curious. Like, you know, it's, it's, as you say, I mean, we're, we're phenomenally unique, you know, whilst the words are not new or the themes or the concept or whatever is not new, the, the approach, the view, the aspect is completely unique. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. Right? You know, it's, why not? Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's even because, you know, as you're talking there, it sort of it is that sort of ask, believe, receive, you know, and I've always sort of struggled that with myself and saying, for me, it needs to be ask, believe, do and receive. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, we can all sit on the beach and, and hum and maybe stuff will happen. Listen, <laughs> if manifestation worked to the extent that some people would have, you will, we'd all be you know, in Land Rovers. And, and and I think even that message, you know, just doesn't resonate with me at all. But, you know, the, the world would be different if it really did. But I think actually the universe for a large part is responsive. It responds to what you do. And you create your world through the choices that you make. The more choices that you make that align with the anticipated future that you want, the greater your chances of that happening the greater the chances of synchronicity so a really lovely thing for me about flow is that I can be fully present in the moment whilst taking small actions each day that align with the future that I would like to have and the more I align with things like that like if I want to uh, write well then if I take action that aligns with that you know start a blog practice even like I didn't publish a lot of stuff but I would practice my writing you know on on my laptop you know I have thousands of you know documents kind of sitting in there but then when the opportunity comes you're prepared to receive it you know there there, there there's an there's so much that is around the action but if you find manifestation a really useful way and it helps you move forward that's great like that's that's amazing you know we've there's no right or wrong way to, to live life, you know, in the same way that we're all unique. Some of my message will speak to some people who'd be like, yes, 
for other people, it would be like, I don't agree. And that's great. You know, we're human beings. It's not a one size fits all approach. You've got to find tools in your toolkit that works for you. And whatever moves you forward to realize your purpose, whatever allows you to feel worthy enough to take that action, then you should do it wholeheartedly. Are you where you're supposed to be now? I feel like I am. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know where you're going? I do, but it's a bit more of a leap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how I does that look for you when you when you go forward and goals? I mean, is it is that a feeling or is that a you know, have you a bucket list or a goal list? I mean, how, how does the future look for you? No, you know, I've never I'm a real gold star junkie, love a t- like love a to-do list, you know, love ticking things off. So I recognize that part within myself and know that that part of me is very, very useful. But I also recognize that it can be quite a dangerous part, you know, in that if I set myself a very specific goal and I haven't achieved it by that point, it can be detrimental to kind of my self-worth, you know, because I, uh, yeah, I, I like to do the things within the time frames that I've set myself. It's just part of who I am. So when it comes to the future, it's always more of a vision and a feeling and it's not cemented in time as to when that needs to happen I just know that it will happen and it will fall into place at the right time and even if it doesn't it makes life more interesting you know it's it's more about the journey for me like who do I become on the way to to fulfilling that goal like what changes have to happen in me you know, in order for me to fulfill my potential, what things that I have taught myself that are not possible for me, you know, like a girl from Belfast who, you know, yeah, what the stories that I've told myself, well, that wouldn't happen to someone like me. A girl like me couldn't write a book. A girl like me, you know, couldn't, you know, I did a book launch in New York, you know, and it was like, well, that would never happen to someone like me. So part of it is, part of it is just the joy of seeing the limits that you've put on yourself of what is possible being removed and opening yourself up to the depths of your potential that you didn't even realize that you had. So the goals are great. They're lovely, but it's the journey that, that, that I'm always kind of like the most interested in. Very interesting language. Sorry. I'm just, I was just fascinated there. Just listening to you. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, just the, the, the me and the self and the, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. That's, do you, I mean, do you recognize different parts of yourself? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So I work, there's um, a really great um, area of psychology called internal family systems. It was developed by a guy called Richard Schwartz and, um, and parts in psychology is a really kind of proven practice where we look at the different parts that make us whole and our job is to learn how to manage those different parts you know so I am not the part of me that is fearful you know I am not the part of me that is motivated you know they are my parts and I am the mother of those parts and my job is to nurture them and bring them forward you know at different times and it helps me be more I think authentic and accepting of myself you know, so before the part of me that was maybe, you know, 
um, driven and would beat herself up that, you know, I hadn't achieved that thing at that deadline. I can recognize that, but I can be gentle with that part because I know it's, it just wants me to do well. So by being accepting of that and knowing it has a time and a place to come forward in my life, but there's also a time that I need to tell her to, you know, chill out, take a back seat, <laughs> you know, um, not be so kind of like nasty to me, you know, and I love that she's trying to motivate me with her critical talk. And that's really, really wonderful. But actually, I just need her to be a little bit compassionate right now. It enables me then to, to be a whole person and to not, to not feel like I have to change myself, but to feel like I can accept myself and I can recognize that there is, there is no part of me that doesn't want to realize this purpose or this dream. It's just they will sometimes give me unhelpful behaviors to move me forward to get to that point. No, it's just that that self, that myself versus the I. The I's in the now, the myself wants the facts, wants the detail, wants the structure. And it is that, you know, yeah. sort of bringing the me back together is kind of going, come on, come play, you know, come just on. behave yeah. yourselves. Yeah, and that's a big part mm. of my work is like, well, you know, with people, it's it's moving yourself into alignment, you know, so that you can flow. It's that harmonious functioning, you know, how do I get all the parts of myself working together on the same page so that I can flow towards what matters most, as opposed to how do I change myself? How do I become this other person so that I can get what I want? It's that inner alignment. When you are in alignment, you know, with that goal or vision that you have for your life, that is the optimal state of consciousness and um, psychology, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi called this unified flow, you know, treating life as a complete flow experience where we have a large personally compelling goal from which all the smaller goals logically follow and our thoughts, feelings and actions are in alignment. So when you're in that place of alignment, it's almost like mindfulness, but with your eyes open, you know, because you don't have that conflicting part. There's not part of you that wants to move forward and another part of you that's telling you it's too fearful. So as that battle and war rages in your head, you're pulled out of the present moment versus when you're in alignment, you can be fully present in the moment because all the parts are, are working together for that same common goal. And you feel this inner peace within yourself. Just, I mean, just because we've come back on that, on flow, uh, take me through the connection with flow and alignment. What's what's your take on it? Yeah, flow, it flow, when we're in alignment, then life can flow. So they're kind of one in the same. They're two parts of the same kind of puzzle. So the opposite of flow is resistance. And resistance is probably easier to describe um, because I think it's the state that most of us spend a disproportionate amount of our time in and resistance is when we're fighting against what is you know so it's we have the circumstance that we're in and we resist it we say it should be different and I shouldn't feel that way or we resist something within ourselves you know a really simple everyday example is I've told myself that I'll go to the gym or do that home workout you know and I'll put it on my tv but part of me just really wants to watch Netflix and another part of me really you know, does want to do the workout. And so it creates this battle in our consciousness 
where we're not really doing one or the other. We're in resistance. So we're trying to wore it out. Well, you should do it. No, well, I don't want to do it. Well, just put on Netflix. Okay. Oh, you're wasting your time. And so you're not doing the workout and you're not enjoying Netflix. You're just at war with yourself. You're in a state of resistance. Alignment is then when you make peace with your choice and you go, you know what? It's been a long day. I'll do the workout tomorrow. I'm really just going to enjoy watching Netflix. Then in that experience, your evening can flow because you're at peace with your decision. Thoughts, feelings, actions are in alignment. You're sinking to the sofa. You know, you allow yourself just to enjoy that present moment. And then you're able to flow because you're not at conflict. Your inner and outer worlds are in alignment with each other. And then you're open to receive those experiences. You know, you're flowing in the direction that you've decided that you want to go in versus kind of like swimming upstream in the opposite way, which takes an awful lot of energy and wastes an awful lot of energy and time. Uh How... Very unscientifically here, so you <laughs> yourself mightn't like this, but just just in terms of um, you know as mass population, I mean, how how many people or what? How many people do you find are in their flow states? They're aligned in what they do and what they their values and their goals versus where they are in their activities. I mean, or you know, mm. what's your take on that? I mean, it varies for sure. I think um, a lot of people who are a bit lost, frustrated, um, you know, aren't in alignment and and spend a lot of time battling with themselves. I think um, I think it's hard to kind of like put put a split on it, you know, especially in the type of work that I do, it'll be largely disproportionate because most people that I come into contact with are are at war with themselves, you know, and are battling, I think, mainly the person who they want to be and who they feel like they could be. And the war is against who they who they should be. And they kind of like don't really know how to reconcile that that difference. Um, but I think that's a very silent battle that many of us face. And we don't necessarily, you know, talk about those issues or feel comfortable with them. But um I think a lot of the the resistance that we face is often kind of self-created and it's it's due to the the lack of awareness of how to work with those different parts of ourselves and how to how to bring that sense of alignment so that you can just kind of enjoy your day. But I think we're getting better at that, you know, as a society, like a lot of these structures and therapies, you know, would have only really have ever been accessed if you were you know, going through kind of like a trauma response or, you know, you have been kind of like checked into a clinic or you, you know, we're going to therapy. But I think increasingly what we're seeing is people using these in everyday ways, you know, more kind of self-help books, more podcasts, you know, more kind of like tools in our toolkit to help us manage our emotions. And um, because we are human beings, you know, and we don't come with a, we don't come with a, a user manual that says oh, when you feel this way you know this is how you work with the different parts of yourself or this is kind of something that you should do we, we figure it out really as we go along um and that's that's a challenging part <laughs> you know it's like trying to understand how you can best work with yourself so that you can enjoy this existence that we have and that's what it really comes down to how do I enjoy life how do I make the most of my time here? Like, I think that's always the central question that 
definitely drives my work and I think drives a lot of people to kind of you know seek out these stories and hear from different people because you know life is so precious and we, we want to make the most out of it in your life I mean would you say have you have you been at this place before I mean I suppose and I'm you know and you talk about you know changing values things like that I mean mm. if you're of the line of thought that say at three or at seven years of age you you sort of split almost you know and and who you are and who you could be yeah. I mean are you of that have you have you been this person before and you've gone on this journey and you you sort of closed the gap again or where do you sit there yeah I think um I think the parts of my life where I felt the happiest have definitely been the parts where I have really allowed myself to be who I am but I have lost myself at several different junctures you know um trying to fit in um, trying to live up to other other people's expectations um trapped in comparison getting swept up in other people's priorities you know not really understanding maybe what the next step is but kind of looking over my shoulder to someone else and well they've got that and they seem to be happy so maybe I should do that as opposed to experiencing that uniqueness and no doubt I'll experience it again you know I don't and um, would never claim that I have life figured out and that it's all sorted and it's in its nice little neat box and you know nothing bad will ever happen again or I'll never kind of have one of those you know fall to the floor moments like I am sure that they are there you know and they will be on their way um because that's just the messy complicated life that we're in what I hope for myself is that I have the tools in my toolkit to help me navigate that better and that I have the daily practices that keep me as connected as I possibly can to who I am and to my value system and what's important for me. Um, but it's not easy in this age of you know social comparison where at a click of a, of a finger, you know, you can be on your phone and you can be in a world of other people's lives and their highlight reels. And sure, we know it's our highlight reels and there's more going on in the background, but sometimes doesn't make it any easier you know we follow their rules to to try and get the same results as opposed to just listening to ourselves yeah this is fascinating isn't it it's so much bit of a random one what mm. uh, what's your earliest conscious memory oh god yeah that is i'm not sure um you know it's probably primary school I don't really can't remember I know like some people are like I remember when I was two years old or one year old I can't remember anything from that time um it would be more around primary school like I can remember my first day of going to school um and I can remember small things like um I had a little tape recorder and I would like you know go and record myself on like the blank tape like singing songs and telling stories like after school so it's it's more around that but nothing from very early on more around four or five yeah it's it's funny isn't it some people have clarity some people don't and yeah it's suggests oh just say that again you broke up it can you hear me I can't hear you. 
Yeah, it's amazing how different people have that, yeah, that focus, that understanding. But where do you sit in terms of previous lives, other things? What's your sort of take on that? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm very open to it. I never was before. I would have like completely, yeah, probably laughed a little bit at it. Um, but the more I kind of open myself up to explore kind of the that that spiritual world, you know, that we've kind of referenced, yeah, the more that I wouldn't close the door on on anything. Like I it's definitely not something that I fully understand. Um but I've had like some experiences, mainly when I first started this journey, I went to like a psychic, a medium, I don't know what to call her, um, this fabulous lady who was recommended through a friend of a friend. You know, my mom always told me never go to like a fortune teller, you know, who advertises herself or charges too much money, you know, look for the ones that, you know, were kind of word of mouth. And I went to this lady and I was hyper skeptical. I was like, this is a load of absolute tosh. But, you know, I am so desperate, I guess, for someone just to reassure me that I'm like making the right decision that I'm going to go. And she, yeah, she said so many things that she couldn't have possibly have known um, and said so many different things that actually ended up happening um, that it definitely made me reevaluate. And she would be a big believer. We're still in contact now. Like that was kind of four years ago. I still, you know, just send her the old message or chat. She became like a really important part of my life. And she would be very into past lives, you know, and send me little meditations, you know, yeah, on like how to get in touch with different things. So yeah, I'm open to it. What about you? I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a question now, just because I'm curious. Um, mixture of both. I mean, I, I sort of hands up. I'm I'm literally just finished today in our reading group. We just finished reading uh, Conversations with God, Book One, mm. and it's not it's not a religious text because I think a lot of people get hung up on that straight away. So um, it's just interesting. But I mean, in there, I'm probably going to spoil the plot slightly for people. But they talk about. The answer was when the guy asked, saying, have I been here before? He's like, you've only been here 647 times. Yeah. Just, I don't know, I find that fascinating. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I mean, if you really think about it, we're all matter, you know. So I think there's like some random fact that, you know, the water that is within your body, you know, was drank by a dinosaur, you know, thousands, you know, millions of years ago or whatever you know, because it's all part. So when you think of it in that way, you do wonder, well, maybe there is, you know, I don't know, but I, I think that's a joy of being alive, you know, is to kind of go, Ooh, but if it was like that or what else do I not know? I think, but facts make us feel safe, you know, and that unknown aspect of like, did I come here 647 times before? It's like, eek. um, but yeah, I think it's fascinating. I know on, on the, the start of this journey, for me anyway, it was that it it, it is quite, um, you get a bit of a speed wobble because suddenly, mm. like, 
Like even if you go outside at night or during the day, it doesn't matter, but you, you just look up and realize that you could travel your entire physical lifetime that direction and still not yeah. be anywhere near yeah. the I mean, that bit just goes, boof. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's like so important, that sense of awe. And we can lose it sometimes in our everyday lives. But yeah, you know, I do the same. Like when I'm, um, you know, sometimes kind of wondering, oh, the next step and is that really possible? Or, you know, I just think you're a human being on a planet that's been in space. If that's not amazing enough, you know, that, yeah, I just love that that those kind of moments where you you bring yourself back to the reality of how magical all of this somehow is you know but I think when we're and it's hard particularly in lockdown you know as well you know when you're kind of just staring at your four walls you know you can forget that you're part of this infinite universe yeah I love that how's your ego how is it uh, yeah mean teeth can cause some trouble sometimes <laughs> yeah I have to keep that that part of me in check yeah I don't know I don't yeah I mean I think um I think I've had to learn to manage um the ego a lot certainly I'll give you an example um when I first got the book deal I didn't tell anybody about it for six months um nobody apart from my husband and it was really because I I wanted to reward myself for that happiness and not kind of do the whole ego, I've got a book deal and I've got this and I've got that. I really didn't want that experience for myself and I recognise that it's something that I can do. You know, like I said, I, 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 I like achieving. You know, I've been kind of like a very driven person for you know a lot of my life and and those gold stars and telling people you know well I've I've done this look how good that is you know it makes me feel really really good and that's ego kind of living like driven and led and so to manage that part of me I guess like to bring the yin and the yang is you know move forward with the driven part but when the gold stars or the nice kind of like status accolades kind of come it's sort of just sitting with it and not allowing it to be tainted and to feel that reward from yourself before you share with others. So um, I try to keep that balance as much as I can within my own awareness. Because you're not aware of so many things, are you? Like there's things that I'm aware of of myself, you know, that are, you know, they're gut-wrentingly uncomfortable when you admit to yourself and it comes into your awareness and you see the pattern and then you can't unsee that part of you. You're like, oh, that's what I do. Oh, that's terrible, <laughs> you know? And then you can't, you can't never not see that part of you again. But there's a huge amount more probably that I'm not aware of, you know, that I need to manage a little bit more effectively. But, you know, I think that's the joy of self-reflection and, and knowing yourself on a deeper level is is that kind of managing of the, of the different parts. I mean, how, how do you find that sort of self-reflection piece for you? I mean, is it, is, it, is it something you can do for yourself or is it something you need others to come in and help? Yeah, I, so I journaling has played like a huge 
part in my journey um, mainly because I think it's uncomfortable sometimes to be vulnerable with others and, and to know kind of like who you can trust with things or um, to not even have the self-awareness of what's going on. So each night and um, before I go to bed, I do some like self-reflection. I reflect on three things that went well that day. That helps me just um, enjoy the journey, you know, and tap into the small wins and remind myself of like the the joy of kind of, you know, the, the 24 hours that have passed that day. Um, and then three things that could have been better. And what helps me with the three things that could have been better is normally then I start to track patterns and I can see unconscious behavioral lips, you know, um, belief systems and trends become more visible. So, you know, after kind of a month normally in particular, I can see little things within myself that that I didn't see before. Um, and then again, I'll use my journal just to, you know, journal on that or understand that on a on a deeper level. Um, and I try to keep it as separate from from myself as possible. So I'll say, you know, like, okay, Sarah did that today. So in psychology, we know like using your name creates like a bit of a buffer. So it doesn't become this harmful piece that it feels really safe to be like, oh, I'm curious to see what's going on there. I'm curious as to, you know, why am I doing that? And like, what's that little trend showing up for? And, and how can I work with that a little bit better? So that's, that's part of my daily practice. Are you, are you conscious of what you're capable of or what your, your ultimate soul is trying to achieve? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, there's a beautiful kind of like Marianne Williamson quote, you know, about the thing that you're most scared of is actually, you know, how powerful you are. Um, and I'm not kind of saying that I am this kind of, but I, I don't know. And I think there's a lot of things that I've told myself that aren't possible that I feel on this, feel like I've got to the second part of my journey where I'm really want to take a leap and a dive into how far can I go? And not from an ego sense, from a genuine, how far can I go with creating things that I love, with fulfilling my potential, with maybe stretching myself into other areas. Um, so yes, aware a little bit, but but also scared, for sure scared, you know. And I notice, you know, that I can hold myself back, that I have like, I call it shiny object syndrome, where I'll just get easily distracted and totally allow myself to get easily distracted by projects that don't actually really matter and won't make much of a difference, but make me look very busy and productive rather than doing the thing that's actually, you know, going to move the needle and going to move me forward. So um, I've been working a lot on that recently to, um, to be a bit braver and work on some of the projects that actually matter and stand behind my message and my mission a little bit more. You know, I sort of have told myself that I'm in the arena, but in the reality is, you know, if I'm like being totally honest with myself at times, I can just, you know, run around the outside of it and I'm kind of scared to open the door and go in. Again, the language I find fascinating there, it's, you know, you know, I can, I hold myself back, you know, the I and the myself and the, you know, I've told myself, you know, it's that, 
stuff mm. parts again, isn't it? You know, that's the sort of parts through psychology, through everything else. It's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. I find it fascinating how, is that alignment work? Is that finding yourself work? Is that mm. parts of the ego, parts of the soul? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a combination of, of, of all those things. Yeah. Do people understand you? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I think, um, I think when I went on this journey, I felt like they didn't. And what actually has come full circle is that they understood me more than I understood myself, that they saw the parts of me more clearly that I didn't see within myself. So yes, I would say they do understand me, but at times I felt misunderstood. But actually, you know, when like using the book, you know, like as an example, had a book launch in Belfast and I thought what people would say is like, you know, oh, I didn't think you were ever into writing or why did you write that book or what's that on like self-help and psychology? Oh, I don't get any of that. You know, like what, what, what makes you good enough? You know, not in a nasty way, just in the typical Northern Irish kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of curious um, put down sort of way that, that I think people can have um, in the nicest possible way. But actually, they said the opposite, you know, they were like, but you're, you love psychology and, you know, that was always your passion. And of course you did this, like if anyone was going to leave and kind of do something, it was, you know, it was going to be you. And they they could see the parts and understood those parts of me better than I did. You know, I didn't see that within myself. Um, yeah, so I think I was more understood than I than I realized. It is always fascinating, you know, when different people see things in you as such, you know, or understand you better or, you know, yeah, recognize you for something you didn't necessarily recognize in yourself. Yeah. Did you find that on your journey? You know, because you've obviously kind of come full circle when you released your book or, you know, did your TED talk that that you felt understood or. Um, I've kind of gone even further now. It's like I don't really i'm so curious to, to understand myself that actually I, I not that i don't care what anyone else thinks it's like but i also know i am the only comparison for me you know yeah that's lovely you gotta be careful when you're seeking sort of you know do, do you understand me it's like it doesn't really matter it's like and not only that you can never understand me because you'd have to live my life and then that would be a waste of your life to live my life you know and yeah it's kind of along the lines of saying well you do you i'll do me I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the curiosity. It's um, do people get you? No. Some some people do. Some people don't. But it's neither right nor wrong. You know. Yeah. Right people at the right time will get you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's true. I mean, you, you know, you said that that five year journey you've had. You know, or five and a bit. It's you know you're going to change friends. You're going to change people and you've changed your skin. You've changed so much about yourself, you know, that actually, you know, um, certain previous activities mightn't be the same as what you are now. So I don't know. It's, it's a yeah. curious one. Mm. It is. It is. 
Um, and but I think it's a lovely thing that when the friendships, you know, and I've I've lost a couple of friendships along the way. Um, but the friends that have remained a constant, I think it's a real joy to be seen, heard, and understood and loved for who you are. It's a really different feeling and experience, you know, because before the work that I would have been, you know, rewarded for and the praise and the accolades or the well dones that people would have given, they didn't mean as much because it was me performing and pleasing. You know, I knew how to, you know, win someone over in a meeting or, you know, how to kind of, you know, maybe, yeah, make people like me, you know, I was like well skilled at it. But now to, to actually just be me and for people to respond to that is like a euphoric emotional happiness. It's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Is that, is, is that a judgment, self-judgment as well? You, you know, you sort of, you're taking your own reflection by looking at others when actually you sort of go, well, I am enough, I am me. Yeah, and that's the only person that I think we ever, you know, need to be. Mm. And that's when your experience of the world changes because you're not pleasing and performing and perfecting your way through life. It's like a naked vulnerability when you stand and you say, this is me, this is what I believe in, this is what works for me, this is my passion, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And how it's enabled other people in my life to do the same. You know, when I wrote Find Your Flow, I included little snippets of, of my story that I hadn't even shared with people, you know, that I felt really lost and I felt like something was off. And the dialogue that that enabled, you know, to open up, even with friends who were like, I actually have felt the same. Like, I feel like I'm more um, connected with people, you know, friends and family than I ever have been before through being myself. You, you allow other people to be themselves, you know, at the same time. It's, um, yeah, it's like something special happens when you're vulnerable and authentic. Is that, is that a bit of a problem with, you know, psychology or psychologists and, you know, you mentioned NLP earlier and things like that, mm. that actually you can, you can create this amazing like image that can communicate with others, but actually that's not you. That's a sort of a false image that you put up that they can converse with and and you know do whatever but you actually go you don't even realize i'm so clever that you're <laughs> you're sort of dealing with a hologram of me not not yeah the brains that have gone a step further does that, does that make sense yeah it does it makes perfect sense yeah yeah and how, i that, how, do you, how do you get past that then um you make yourself safe enough to be to be seen you know, you, you break down those walls and those barriers. And I think you treat, I think, you know, particularly in the world of psychology and and um, and any of this kind of type of work, there is an expectation that you should be a perfectly formed and functioned human being, you know, and not necessarily have those feelings or have those flaws. What I've realized is having those flaws, having those experiences, having those feelings is what makes me really good at my job you know, and the two aren't separate, the two are apart. 
um, been. And of course, there's always a division of professionalism. That doesn't mean that I show up to my work and, you know, fall apart because that's how I feel. There, are, there is a time and a place for, you know, putting on your happy face and, and kind of doing your job. But equally, there's a time and a place more and there should be more of times and places where, you know, we are vulnerable enough to say, you know, even if it's in at the start of a meeting, like, listen, I'm not having a good day today. Like, and I'm not really feeling the best. So if I seem a little bit distant, you know, if I am not kind of contributing in the way that I normally would, or if I seem kind of unresponsive to your ideas, please know that it's my mood and it's got nothing to do with you. And then you allow people in to work with that rather than sitting grumpy, you know, and everybody thinking that you're pissed off or you leave that meeting and then you have the the regret of like, oh God, they probably all hate me because I just had my head down. I think there's there's a way to blend both worlds um, so that people can can help you kind of like through that, you know, even if it's just sometimes with my husband, I'm like, I have had like I'm tired, I am grumpy, it's got nothing to do with you. But like, you know, if I snap at you, like, you know, that it, it's it's because of me it's got nothing to do with you and then he can work and kind of like respond with that it's always interesting because i think Brenny brown talks about that isn't it you know in all yes. levels what are you what are you bringing home this energy and I, I can't remember the exact but it talks about um i'm sitting on a low three or a low 30 percent or whatever so <laughs> it's, it's carrying the energy sometimes <laughs> your partner's good but you're low and vice versa or yeah yeah approach with caution yeah yeah, yeah. it's like cancel everything netflix popcorn let's go you know and just just chill exactly exactly yeah and there's no judgment around it i think like that's the key you know we've we've missed we've confused negative emotions with failing at life you know, that we've done something bad, we're doing something wrong, it's not working, that, you know, we're never going to have a good day ever again because we feel this way when they're just temporary. And sometimes it's just an indication that you need to rest, you need to slow down, you need to be a bit more gentler on yourself, you know, and or you need to make a change, like a more significant change. Thomas, I mean, what, what, what are you really good at and what are you terrible at? You know, it's always to have a good, good range. Yeah, I'm good at um, taking complicated things and making them simple. So like that's kind of, you know, in a work kind of wise, like I am a complete research journal nerd, you know, but I'll take all that and then I like to break it down in, in ways that people can understand and relate to. Um, I'm good with people. I'm good at reading a room. Um, I'm good at making pe- people, I think, feel, you know, safe and sane. What I'm really terrible at is any form of organization. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm terrible at expenses, Excel spreadsheets, filing things in the right places, um, forgetting things, losing things, bumping it. I'm very clumsy, bumping into things. Um, yeah. I'm awful at all of those things. Like genuinely just really, you know, drives my husband absolutely bonkers. Like, you know, I'm not good at the finer details, you know. um, Yeah, but I I kind of just know that. And I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) 
that's, that's the stuff I try to outsource or, you know, give to other people because, you know, I'm just not very good at it. I think that's important too. I mean, that creative side, you know, I think it's just to accept it and say, listen, it's just not my bag. It's just, yeah, it's just not an expense person. Yeah, just yeah if you're in the wrong, you've got the wrong person. Yeah. I just have this vision of this mad genius sort of in this sort of you know, avalanche of books and research and papers. And it's like, just feed me coffee and food now and again. And then, That's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> That's exactly it. Just give me coffee and a bit of chocolate, but like, you know, and there'll be word documents, but, you know, don't expect me to be able to find anything that I've written because I've saved it on some, some random, you forget the passwords all the time, you know, all of that. Yeah, this. Yeah, not good at any of that stuff. Where where are you in your flow? Um, where am I in my flow? That's a really good question. Um, in the center of it, just feel really, just really centered, and I am just kind of being carried in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that. I think people can confuse just like go with the flow, surrender, and release, and that's part of it. But um, I'm taking that action with no anticipation of of the outcome or what direction it will kind of bring me in. And I'm very much in touch with the the steps that I need to take. I'm where I'm at and where I want to go. So I feel like very kind of like in the center of my flow, just sort of being carried and enjoying the journey. That's a lovely way to be just to, as you say, just to go with what feels, what feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, that is like a, a big part of flow is, is taking those bold actions, you know, like, you know, the thing, that you know that you probably should really do but it scares you and it makes your gut kind of clench and we all have that one activity that's sitting in the back burner you know whether it's work or life related that we think god I would love to do that but oh no it's not kind of the right time you know and sometimes that doesn't feel like flow but it is you know it's taking those kind of bold leaps and then just surrendering to like what is and what will be and what the outcome will be and the journey of where it will take you. You know, that's the flow aspect is the discipline and the surrender. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Tell me what's, what's a, what's a guilty pleasure for you? Take the guilt away if you wish. I don't mind. But. Oh yeah. Reality TV. <laughs> that's totally like it's Give us yeah. a here. What are we talking oh add a thing oh yeah uh married at first sight australia kardashians um made in chelsea the only way is essex yes all of that mind-numbing garbage that literally adds no value to my life that i should not watch that i would tell people it's all i love yeah that's definitely a guilty pleasure and um 80s music or old school dance music also equal kind of like guilty pleasure um but yeah yeah it's amazing i love that 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 sort of yeah sort of married at first sight australia seems to be exceptionally popular and just that. oh my word lost like it's 40 episodes i wish someone had told me that before i started watching it it's like a working week i spent a working week watching people here i really 
don't overly care about um who I will forget about in an instant I've spent that time watching it but can't can't help it so anyway, curiosity of breaking that habit is to watch the last episode that's the only exactly. thing that stop you watching everything <laughs> exactly <laughs> if you watch one realizing it's a series and then realize it's actually 14 seasons it's like just watch <laughs> yeah. the very last one but i promise you it'll spoil everything and you won't bother with the rest not bother yeah yeah, yeah. Le- leisure and pleasure what does it look like for you um hmm, leisure and pleasure leisure is probably more kind of like outside walking good books and pleasure is big glass of red wine and a cheese board nice what's your go-to on cheese oh um like the stinky cheese like anything blue that smells disgusting um on a cracker with a bit of chutney yeah that's total pleasure for me every time What's your, what's your go-to? Wine, red, anything kind of French, um, like a nice kind of like deep kind of like Merlot from, yeah, from anywhere, just as long as it's red and it's kind of bold. That's my go-to. Something there. There's a lot of bold, bold cheese, bold wine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never known. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. The smellier the more bolder it is, the better. It's like, yeah. The better. Yeah. I'm sure there's a psychology something there. But. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Talk to us about your books. Yeah, so I've got t- two. The first one is Find Your Flow, which is um, really making the psychology of flow very, very simple, but most importantly, practical. So when I was learning about flow and that it had a formula and have, has all these incredible benefits, like when we're in a flow state, for example, we're 500% more productive, three days heightened creativity. Um, and equally that the byproduct of flow is happiness. And we have increased serenity, deeper sense of meaning and harmony in our lives. And um, so the theory and the research is all there and it's wonderful but it's very difficult to apply. You know, you wake up every day and you know the formula for flow, but how do you actually integrate it into your everyday life? And so in Find Your Flow, it's a very practical book. I developed um, a journal system for flow. It's the world's first journal system for flow that's based on proven positive psychology, designed to fit really easily into everyday life and integrates the formula of flow into a journal practice so that the start and your end of each day um, you're finding your flow and you're you're staying in, in touch with it so that's the first book and then the second one is choose happy which is a very different feel and a very different energy it's um a small kind of simple little book that you could don't have to read from start to finish you can just dip in and out of the sections and it's really about how tiny changes in our choices can create happier results So it takes um, kind of common roadblocks to happiness, like comparison, you know, uncertainty. um, And then we'll give like a little story or antidote around it. And then a psychology-based strategy to help you navigate that part of your life. It's fascinating. I love it. I mean, it's... um... It's great, and, and and both, as you say, quite quite different, but at the yet there's yeah, there's a bit of a golden thread leading through them both. Yeah, yeah, they're different. Even like they have 
it's funny like they have almost like a different energy about them they're just very very different books but yeah are kind of similar I think like find your flow is perfect if you're feeling a little bit lost and you want to find your purpose or you know you you don't feel in alignment and it can bring that and choose happy kind of complements it you know that when kind of our messy complex lives inevitably kind of like you know bring up some of those emotions that are harder to handle choose happy can help you navigate those so yeah how do you feel how does it feel to have those out there is it surreal yeah just really surreal um like I get messages you know on like it's got a little life of its own so I get messages on social media you know from people saying I've used a journal system and it's like completely changed my life or, you know, I read that part of your story and that really resonated with me. Um, so it's, it's opened up this world of like new connections to like-minded people. And um, it's lovely because I feel like I've got people, you know, through the readers, people who are on the journey with me. And that's really lovely. Like that deep sense of connection that I have with people and, um, yeah, and it's it's made it all worthwhile. You know, when I first published, when Find Your Flow was first published, I was really nervous about how it would be received, you know, and and it's a tough world right now, I think, to put creative work out there in any form or put yourself out there in any form. You know, we're kind of living in this cancel culture kind of society, you know, where anyone can voice their opinion online. Um, which is, you know, no bad thing, but it can be very, very hard when you're that person. So I felt really nervous about the book, you know, coming out. Um, but it's been lovely to see how well received it's been. And I was nervous about writing my story in it because I didn't know how family would respond. You know, there's nothing really terrible in it. But for me, you know, it would have been quite a private person. I think it was very vulnerable for me to write, you know, how I felt during that time. Um, but to see that the story really resonates with people and has enabled other people to open up has been, yeah, very special. So yeah, it feels lovely. It's bizarre, isn't it? There's a little piece of you that sort of continues to create ripples. Even I know. I know, yeah. It's just out there in the world at, you know, people's bedsides and it's it's surreal. It's just surreal. Yeah, it's... um. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I feel very fortunate. Tell me, if you were to describe your fire in the belly then in one or two words, what would it be? Mm, it would be... It would be a mission and a passion to become who I am and to help others do the same. I think that that's really at the core of everything that I do because it's, I'm not separate from the work and the work is not separate from me. I need that work in some way. It helps me. And then, you know, I get this joy of the fact that it's helped me and then I can share it with others. You know, it's all part of it, but yeah. um, I think it's about becoming more of who I am and helping others do the same. And that's what pulls me forward. You know, that's when I get up in the morning and, you know, you maybe don't know, you know, you're working for yourself and 
you know, you're you're writing a blog post or, you know, kind of writing a magazine article or you, you know, you're holding and you don't know kind of like what's come of it. Like it's that fire in the belly is what always kind of pulls me forward is just. It's like a belief, it's a feeling, it's not really a, a thing and it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but it just feels like that's what I'm meant to do. I can't describe why. What message would you like to leave with the listeners? Be yourself. Have the courage to be who you are and have the courage to ask yourself who you are. And even though that feels really uncomfortable, you know, sit with it and trust that the answers will come. I think less about who you should be or what you should be doing and more about who are you and get back to the the core of your uniqueness. Sarah, tell us where can people follow you, hunt you down, track you, stalk you, any of the above? You're more than welcome to stalk me um, on Instagram. um, And my handle is at the power, P-O-W-E-R. Very hard to say in a Northern Irish accent. Note to self, do not name your business after a word that people struggle to pronounce. The power to reinvent. So at the power to reinvent. Brilliant. Sarah, it's been an absolute blast having you on. Thank you so much. And listen, thank uh, you. Books right there now. So uh, th- thank you for sharing. Thank you for being present today. So uh, until the next. Thank you for having me and your incredible questions. Yeah, you did tell me at the start that would make me think, and they definitely have. So thank you. Good. Well, it's been a pleasure. So thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.